Yes, Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that the war has been fought and won through the power of your love, through your demonstration to us, laying down your life for us, standing in our place, taking the death sentence for us, Lord, releasing us from the grip of the terrible one. It is the blood, the redness of what we think about when we think about hearts and valentines and red love. It all comes from your heart, the shedding of your blood. So thank you, Lord, for giving us now eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to be refreshed in considering, Lord God, the power of your truth, the power of love. And I pray, Father God, that uh, you'd protect us, that no weapon formed against us would prosper, that you would uh, give us your wisdom, your Holy Spirit would anoint us with uh, hope and with restoration and with freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what's today? Well, it's right about Valentine's Day, or depending on when you're listening to this. So we're going to do this show, and I have got this question uh, that I think we'll kind of use for the show today. Yeah. Is your love life like a box of chocolates? Okay. Is your love life like a box of chocolates? Well, you know, in a box of chocolates, you have lots of varieties, and they sometimes give you that little key, and these are full of cherry, and these are full of walnuts, and blah, blah. But but most of the time, you know, love is like like that. It looks good on the outside. It's tasty and sweet, uh, but it can be uh, reveal some lies and some issues that we want to um, kind of uncover today, so that people can have a good experience with love and know that they're loved. Everything's all about relationships. Yeah, it you really know, it's, is. It's about our relationship with God, mm-hmm. and it's about our relationships with one another. I mean, that's why Jesus said. The greatest commandment is to love God, the yes. Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. So well, there's two aspects of love, two key aspects of a relationship, and and we struggle with all two of those. <laughs> <laughs> with all two of those. So love, like it says in First Corinthians thirteen, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so this is kind of what, you know, the the real challenge is, can your love endure what God is uh, allowing you or permitting you to to go through? Like he's testing, uh, giving us an opportunity to grow in our love and grow in our faith. Um, And in uh, Romans, it says, to owe no man anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. All the law is summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God really simplified the commandments, didn't he? Yeah, you got it down to two. I mean, basically three, all right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So it's loving yourself there. Self-love is not a matter of worshiping yourself. It's just a matter of recognizing who you are, recognizing you you are loved by -hmm, God, mm -hmm. and that's your identity as you have faith in him as a son or daughter of the living God. And I think there's nothing the enemy hates more in all the world than love because it is love that has conquered death and conquered fear. And so when we're really walking in the love of God and, and anointed 
by his courage, his love, his example, um, were actually waging war against the spirits of fear and rejection and rebellion and abandonment and alienation. All of these things that Satan puts up as barriers and obstacles to love. Uh, People get caught up in religion, self-righteousness and shame, hurt and pain and offense. And so it's really um, amazing warriors who can um, meet these challenges and give their all, lay down their life, surrender, submit to God and to love one another. Yeah, we have all these romantic ideas about love. You know, it's uh, it's chocolates and valentines and uh, or uh, some lady that's waiting for her knight in shiny armor to ride in on a white horse mm-hmm. and sweep her away and they live happily ever after. But oh, <laughs> things don't quite work that way. We have to kind of de-romanticize mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that it isn't romantic, but we have to de, de uh, what did I say? De romanticize. Is that a new word? Yeah. Uh, de romanticize love and to look word. at the look at the really the the core of of love and it basically you know when you get down to that first relationship that relationship with God, it's that he said this is love in First John. Uh, it says not that we love God but that he loved us mm-hmm. and he sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So we could actually define love as, uh, according to the biblical definition, is to know and be known. Um, and how can you love someone if you don't know them? And how can you know someone if you don't share yourself with them? And is it, if it's too dangerous to, to share your true self with them, um, how are they going to know you? How are you going to know them? How are you going to have a real relationship if it's built on fear and lies? Yeah, in Proverbs twenty-two six, it says, "Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it." Mm-hmm. So, how as parents, training, nurturing a child in the way that he should go? Well, how do we know which way he should go? Is is it the way that we want him to go? I mean, we want him to love God, serve God. But what's what are his giftings? What are his um, his uh, yeah anointings. passions? Mm-hmm. His anointing? Mm-hmm. What's he anointed for? So you have to what know you're saying, them. or you yeah. have to know them, know them mm-hmm. and discern what how well, is it, how is this child wired, and how can I encourage right. him to be all that God has called him to be? Well, I believe just because there are children, we know we love them, but we still don't know them. We have to watch, observe, and and listen to God to see what's going on, so that we can know them, like you said, so we can help them develop into all the things God wants them to be. Sometimes, like you said, we kind of twist them and pour them into our mold and expectation. I think we do that in all of our relationships. We we find someone we want to love, and then we want to try to fix them, uh, reshape them, redefine them according to what we need. And a lot of times people do that too. They they find someone who they enjoy, you know, maybe someone who they're the opposite of, and, and they, they enjoy that person, and they start to try to um, uh, reshape that person into what they need. And so what we have is we have a person who's half completed, half identified as who they are, and they're coming into a relationship with another person who's half finished. So 
you know, they come together to make a complete whole, but actually it's, they don't allow themselves to continue to have their own individuality. And so they bind together, they overcome, they overwhelm, they overspeak, they, they, they try to control one another. And so the one is swallowed up by the other one. And eventually the one that's swallowed up will burst out and you'll break the relationship. And I think this is why a lot of marriages are struggling because they don't not, they don't know or appreciate the differences uh, or even in other relationships, you don't ap- appreciate the differences uh, and get those things to work on your behalf together. A lot of times people get married because of um, they're not in love, they're in heat, they're, <laughs> they're infatuated mm-hmm. with one another. And, mm-hmm. and some, you know, there's you, many the, reasons. The, right? the, yeah, the old saying is love is blind, but actually real love is 2020, has 2020 mm-hmm. vision. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous you, you, to be blind when you're falling yeah. in love. It's really, you yeah. deny the red flags, sort of, so to speak, right. and you kind of tumble on into, you know, looking at the appearances. And like you said, this is my uh, knight in shining armor, and it may not be, it may be a disaster. But what love is not it is not a feeling. And a lot of people think, oh, I feel, I don't feel like I love you anymore. I don't love you anymore. We're going based on a feeling of what's happening or what we expected to happen that's not happening. And so it's not a feeling. It's not a list of conditions or stipulations based on pledges or promises. Uh, um, for example, if you love me, you'd stop drinking. You know, obviously you love that person and you want them to stop drinking if that be the case. But your but your your love for them is unconditional. We are trained in this world to go with conditional love. I've got to fulfill the requirements. I've got to you know do the list. I've got to uh, make sure I'm I'm okay and everybody's happy with my performance. And so everything in this world is about basing um, relationships on conditions. Not so with God. That's why it's hard to grasp the love of God because people have also been tainted into believing that God is up there in heaven waiting for us to mess up. He's got this list in law of laws and rules. And if you mess up, then he's going to get mad with at you. He's going to withhold his blessings from you. This is the devil's uh, description of God. He paints that picture of God being conditional in his love for us. And so, of course, then when we say God is love, we don't really know what we're talking about because we think, well, God's going to like me, love me as long as I'm good and perfect. So it's, again, the world is setting us up to believe conditional love is the definition of love. Yeah. And love, as we observe it or experience it in, in many, in many cases is that, you know, what is this person going to do for me? Mm-hmm. You know, how this person's going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. This person's going to bless me and take care of me and, and everything like that. But we, we need to look at it the other way is how can I bless, bless this them. person? Yeah, how yeah. can I how can I bless them? Because mm-hmm. love is something that is giving. Mm-hmm. You just don't expect, oh, if I'm gonna love you you bet you be, if I'm gonna it's, be nice to you, you better be nice to me. It's not based on your behavior towards me, it's based on my being as a daughter of the most high God. <clears throat> excuse me, to love you because God is love and he loves me and I love him. But you know, one of the biggest problems with people in every kind of relationship, especially ones that are vital and important, is the fear of love, fear of being known, fear of being, you know, how many times we hide our secrets and don't share our whole, our soul, our deep ideas of who we are. We don't let people really know. We kind of keep that hidden, invisible, because we're afraid 
afraid they might reject us or judge us or betray us or use it against us or laugh at us. And so we're not comfortable or safe with sharing our true heart life with, you know, maybe just anybody or even maybe with our own, you know, mate. Yeah, and sometimes we share our hearts with somebody and they betray our trust and they, mm-hmm. they gossip and undermine. And then, the, you know, it, it gets to be the point where the things that about us just get distorted. So I think, yeah, or hey, misperceived. I've been, I've been hurt before. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to share with you because I don't, I don't I really don't trust yeah, you. Yeah, so. exactly. No trust. So then there's not truth. And so you're actually in that relationship. You're lying to the other person about who you are by deceiving, by withholding certain things because you're afraid, afraid, fear it is, there it is, to, that it'll cause pain. You might be abandoned or rejected. And so again, basing your love on a mood or a feeling um, or a circumstance it will always, always, that love will always be unstable and it'll always disappoint you um, because, and then the other part, part of that problem is you cannot love someone, the, the order of, of, of operations here is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. So the second thing we have to do is love ourselves and how can we um, love others if we don't even know who we are, if we don't even love ourselves, how can we then be uh, able um, to sustain or promote love in other people or are in our relationships with them. So again, the fear of being known, um, uh, you know, here's one of the problems. How do we do that? How do we keep ourselves from being known? Um, well, in our conversations and communications, what do we do? We may limit or withhold the information. Um, and, or we, you know, for example, in a, in a, child-parent relationship. Of course, the parent isn't going to explain everything to the child all the time. And so when the child sees things going on in the home that aren't loving, that are scary, that are horrible, that are terrifying, the the, the enemy will come to the child and, and the well, with all of us, well, why? Why are they doing that? It can be in a, uh, you know, teenagers. It can be with a, you know, married couple. Well, why? Why aren't they... Um, you know, why are they not talking to me? Why are they giving me the silent treatment? And so when that why comes in there, the enemy comes in to begin to answer the why. Well, it's because they're mad at you or because you're not important or because it's your fault uh, or you're not worth their time or you're not worth the conversation. Um, so we we kind of uh, take the way that we're treated and interpret that to mean something that reflects back on us. Like, I'm not good enough. I'm nothing. I don't belong here. Um, they're mad at me. It's my fault. They got divorced. Things like things like that. Um, so our worth is, and our goodness are confused and mixed with self-doubt and self-condemnation. And then we don't know who we are ourselves. And this is exactly what the devil wants. He doesn't want us to know that we are loved by God and we are called to love one another. That is the greatest uh, revelation that you can have is to realize that God loves you. Mm-hmm. And we all say that, don't we? We, we say it yeah. and we, you know, we quote John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he's we proven that to us. We can say it backwards and forwards and in our sleep. Right. But, but do we know do that? Do we really know mm-hmm. it in our inner being? Mm-hmm. And um, well, again, you know, with that, how can we, we, we love someone if we're afraid of them, um, if we're afraid. And that goes with, to God, with about God, too. If, how can we believe he loves us 
if we have seen him do all these crazy things and we don't know if he's stable. He may be insane. He may be bipolar. And so uh, he may get mad at you. So with God and with others, we have to know the goodness, the truth of God, first of all, because he is the source of love, the point of love. And then when we come to the next issue, the next hurdle is um, to be, uh, when we're afraid or tempted to be afraid that the others, if they know you, if they really know who you are, if they really know your deep secret, they're going to judge you. Um, So how can we feel comfortable in a relationship when we've given them power over us to judge us um, or give them power to define us? or look to them for approval to make sure that that gives us recognition that we're okay. When we give that power over to someone else and they're not able to love us or they're, they're bound with fear themselves and their own issues and you give them the job of you know, confirming and validating you and they can't do it, then it, it's the enemy's way of undermining our own confidence in our goodness and worth and value and love. So that really pulls the rug out from under our confidence in being loved and loving. Another thing too is that, you know, it's at at different levels about love being reciprocated. In other words, if I love somebody, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, and that's, and love is not its attitude and its action, um, expressing who, who, who Christ is. Yeah. Actually through us. It's attitude and it's action and we express it. But, Jesus, what did he do? I mean, he he loved, having loved his own that were in the world, mm-hmm. he loved them until the, the end. Yeah. But the more he loved, Paul, mm-hmm. the Apostle mm-hmm. Paul said, "The more I love you, the less I am loved." Right. So, What's, here, what would hap- What was happening? Jesus was expressed the express image of the Father. He was showing love, and he was rejected. He was betrayed. He was they they treated him uh, with suspicion. And so they did not know what to do with real love. And of course, they were operating under fear. Like he's probably, you know, going to do something to hurt me. And I think that's what happens is we're afraid we're going to get hurt in a relationship. So we just withhold. Uh, we, we do one of two things. We either give them all the power and control to define us and we're nothing if they don't love us. And on the other side, we withhold, you know, it says, oh, no man, anything but to love one another. But we withhold our love and blessings to them because we're afraid. Now, Jesus did not withhold his love and blessings to us because he was afraid that we were going to do something to hurt him because actually he already knew we were going to do something to hurt him. And so the Bible again says, oh, no man, anything but to love one another. That's the whole commandment. So what happens when fear comes in, hurt comes in, rejection comes in, being judged comes in, uh, others believe lies about us, we believe lies about ourselves. The only remedy... The only remedy, one remedy, simple, simple, is you're going to have to forgive them. That means you're going to have to release them and their actions, whether they withheld from you or they uh, misunderstood you or they plotted against you or they falsely accused you or they set you up and betrayed you or they used your life for their benefit. Whatever it might be, we release them from our judgment. That means we forgive them. So when you forgive them, you are no longer positioning yourself as the judge in that matter. You are removing yourself as the judge. You're stepping to the other side and becoming the plaintiff. So now you can take that injustice to the to the high court of heaven. You can't have two judges in the same case and you can't be the judge in your case. You have to give that situation over to the righteous judge so he will render a, a right verdict. 
And so the testimony of Jesus Christ then is there available on our behalf to testify to the truth of what he saw happening, not only with the other person, but also with what was going on behind the scenes spiritually uh, with the enemy interacting with people to cut them off from love and from each other. So forgiveness releases them to God for judgment. Um, and we can forgive them for a lot of things. I mean, ask the Lord what's, so going back just a second, when we're angry, when we're upset, when we're offended, it's because that explosion, that hurt, that pain, that those harsh words, there's a, there's a, it's like a carrot on the top. You see the explosion, but underneath is the root. So the question becomes, what is the offense? What is the, the sin that has been committed against the law of love? Is, are you, are you hurt, upset, afraid, rejected, cast off because they're giving up on you because they don't love you. They believe lies about you. Um, they're not allowing you to get close. They're shutting you out. Um, they're not allowing you to know them or be part of their life. All of these things are things we may need to say, God, what do I need to forgive them for? Show me. And he may show you, um, again, on their part, they are tormented with a spirit of fear. Yeah, fear uh, can um, debilitate you from expressing love. So it's, okay, I loved, I reached out, and then they slapped me, they betrayed me, all that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And so what can happen there is like, you know what, I'm never going to do that again. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get close to somebody again Yeah. uh, because I might get betrayed. It might seem like it's going all fine and hunky-dory, but... But you're you're really, you're you're pretending... you're yeah. pretending it's okay. You're pretending you're okay and that you're in love and everything, but you're not truly being honest. Yeah, and I mean, and so because you're withholding. Yeah, we, you withhold because you've been hurt. Mm-hmm. You've well, been you've been afraid. You you withdraw in fear, and you say, "I'm just not going to love. I'm just going to stay kind of more self-contained." Mm-hmm. Because when I give love out there, I'm just going to get, get whacked shot again, down, possibly. Yeah, exactly. So we're afraid um, to get hurt uh, being, being, you know, sharing, and then that thing gets thrown back in our face. How many women and men say, well, I want to have a deeper, closer communication relationship with my husband and wife, but I'm afraid if I tell them this, if I, if I share an intimate thought uh, with my, of, of me, or they'll, somehow it'll come back later in an argument, a conversation, be thrown back in my face to ridicule me, to mock me, to betray me. And so therefore, I was stupid to let them know about me in the first place. And this is exactly what Satan wants to do, is convince us we were foolish to share, to let the other person know about you. And I understand there there's a time and a season. You cannot share. It says, don't throw your pearls before swine. That means if they're not ready to receive your revelation, your truth, the intimate truth and secret about who you are, if they're not ready for that and you don't don't uh, realize that, and you throw that precious pearl <clears throat> before them, they will just turn around and trample it and ignore it and 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 mock you for being so open. So so there's a lot of danger in really knowing, being known. Let other people know you, and a, a lot of things are taboo. We don't talk about them. We don't really let people get close to us, and that just screws up marriages. It makes it breaks family relationships, parent-child relationships. Um, but it's interesting uh, that one of the ways Satan has given us to um, fake it, you know, pretend like we're in love and whatever, is called what I call aggressive passivity. So that means 
you're actually very active in being passive. You're very um, con- con- careful, controlled, concealed. Um, don't give any information. Don't don't run, uh, give any opinions. I think nowadays too, giving an opinion out there in the world, you're going to be shot down. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. if you say you know, because the world is trying to tell you. Black is white and white is black and good is bad and bad is good. And if you say the opposite, no, 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 that's really bad and that's really good. They're gonna, they're, you're, they're absolutely gonna take away your license. They're gonna throw you in court. They're gonna to do something to get it all thrown back on you so they can get by with their their rejection, their lies, and their plans. But in our relationships, the fear of being known causes us to back off back up and and just not share be passive and so people don't know what are you thinking what do you want to do it's it's very confusing for people especially when you have to work together there's a confidence with love it's not pride but there's a confidence in knowing who you are knowing you're loved by god and that you can you can just go ahead and share and if they um if they reject you well, they reject you. They rejected <laughs> Jesus too, so you're not. And if they receive you, they receive you, and so it's like it's hard. It's hard, really, for people to trust anymore because most of us, well, I think all of us, have been betrayed in one way or another. Taught whether it's from parents or mm-hmm. churches mm-hmm. or uh, a spouse or children or you know whatever. We've, we've all been betrayed in one way or another, and so that's why it's important, like mm-hmm. you said earlier, so to we've developed, forgive. We've de- yeah, exactly. We've developed these responses or reactions to the unloving spirits, the spirits of fear that prowl around among us and try to set up their, their, their traps and their hindrances. And we, the, some of the reactions to that unloving spirit are defensiveness. When we get attacked or confronted, we get defensive, and we say, well, what about you? What, what? Why aren't you doing it? You know, if you're such a good Christian, why? Blah, blah. So we get and we become guarded and we become we reject or we get offended. And I think this is one of the bigger ones. We take things personally. We get upset. We get mad. Jesus could have been offended. He says offenses will come. He says, but blessed and happy is he was not offended because of me. Because he said, what? Why wasn't Jesus offended? Well. Because Jesus never took it personally. That's the bottom line. He never took their scoffing, their ridicule, their treachery, plucking out his beard, scourging him. He never took it personally. He never took it on himself. Like, I did something wrong. I am bad. So it wasn't about him. He knew the whole thing was not about him. It was about the will of the Father. And so when you and I take it personal, then we're like, we, we, then well, you hurt me. You withheld love from me. See, we Jesus loved us, even though we weren't very loving when he got here. As a matter of fact, was it saying First John? They he came to his own and his own received him. Not yeah. in, in the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. and uh, too many as received him to them, he gave power to become the sons of God. So this so. is the transfer transformation from mm-hmm. being uh, fearful and intimidated and um, terrified to becoming confident and full of God's love. But some of the other reactions to the unloving spirit would be to you know, keep to yourself. Um, like I said, hide your true identity. Um, and then there's anger and anger sometimes wants to get into that place of revenge, take matters of justice into your own hands. Um, we get hurt. Um, there's a emotional loss and, 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 hopes are deferred and the things we wanted to see in that box of chocolates are not coming to fruition. It's not very tasty. It's bitter uh, or, or bittersweet. 
uh, and then we are we are tempted to go into poor me and self pity and misery, uh, and this becomes another issue then that we have to battle. So Satan is trying to set up in you that offense so that you're there battling uh, the feelings of poor me, self-pity, unwanted, nobody loves me, unloving spirits. All these things are being set up in your emotions to create a distraction to cause you to have to go to war within yourself to defeat these spirits of, of, of the unloving spirit. But if we understand that is from the enemy, they're not of us, they're not of God, spirits of misery, poor me, self-pity, uh, emotional pain, disappointment, that they are, cast them out, cast them out of your soul and say, you know what? God knows what I need. Jesus knows your heart. That's the most important bottom line. Jesus knows you. That's why he can love you, even though he knows everything about us. And that's good because he knows us and he loves us. And that's all I need to know is that Jesus understands and I don't have to explain it to everybody else. Um, I think a lot of the unloving spirits are coming to take, you know, there's guilt, there's self-condemnation, then there's confusion, there's even gender identity confusion. People don't know that they're loved. They don't know who they are. If you don't know who you are, how can you show and share yourself with anybody else? Well, that's how Jesus was operating in, when he was here in this three and a half years of of ministry, he said, I know who I am. I know right. who I am, and I know who I'm from. Mm-hmm. So he could go forth with confidence in in relationships, even though people just mocked him, spit Tore upon him, him called for his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. He still went ahead with, with uh, confidence and because he was obedient to the mm-hmm. Father. Mm-hmm. And so love is really, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's right. And his commandment is to what? We talked about it again and again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So yeah. when we're in the place of what, the, what is the Spirit saying to us here? To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. So part of love is following the Spirit of God. Yep. And the Spirit is saying, what time is it now? Is it time for love? Is, I mean, is it, it's always time for love. But is, there's a time, a time to, to let go or to embrace. A time, time to embrace. Yeah. Well, what time is it? So How, it how really, is love to behave it, in this moment? That's kind of the question. It, it really boils down to, mm-hmm. yeah, what is the Spirit saying I am to do? To manage, to, to, to in, walk in love. To do what attitude I might have, what actions am I to perform toward this person at this particular right, time? What right. am I to say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it gets really down to love is carried out through us being obedient to the, to the Holy Spirit. Right, because love, you know, we define it different ways, but it can look very opposite. For example, uh, it, it says, and Jesus said, you know, in some cases to go the second mile and turn the other cheek, you know, and give them your cloak if they ask for your coat uh, also. And on the other side, it says shake off the dust uh, and don't even eat with them. And so, but they're but they're both... They both, they well, well, one looks like love and one doesn't, but they really are both love. If it's time to shake off the dust and let go and let God take over whatever he's doing in that particular situation, then love trusts God to, you know, sometimes we have to let go. We have to let go of our children sometimes. We have to let them go around the mountain again to figure it out and, and hear it from God for themselves. And so these things may not look like love, but um, so... And, and there's there's many, many problems. People are born, we don't understand this, but babies are born with baggage. 
We all come into this world with a whole system of generational patterns, uh, curses, open doors, unconfessed sins. And you say, well, wait a minute. Okay, but I'm a new creature in Christ. All the old things pass away. Well, technically they do, but actually, in actuality, they don't. Just like you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, which is a true reality now, but it's also true that you're going to probably sit in the rush hour traffic on the way home tonight. Both are true realities. But the thing is, um, understanding uh, what time it is, uh, understanding that um, this baggage these generational curses, unfinished business, unforgiveness, open doors. It is your opportunity as a child of God. Uh, you've come into the kingdom of God. All of these claims and, and, and assessments Satan is making against your life, all these accusations from the sins of the generations, you weren't even there, you didn't even do them, and yet now you're struggling with the same spirit of sexual perversion or uh, violence, rage, murder, you know, heart condition that they were. And so you say, well, okay, this is supposed to be under the blood. Well, it is under the blood, but it has to be enforced. So you as a new believer have to say, you know what, devil, you don't have a right in my life. You, these strongholds you've set up over the generations, they're not going to stay in my house anymore. I'm kicking you out. You don't belong here in the name of Jesus Christ. And we submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. But we don't do that if we're under the assumption that it's all automatically taken care of. Just like they pass the law that it's illegal to rob a bank. That doesn't automatically stop bank robbers from robbing banks. There has to be an enforcement of that of that uh, uh, executive order or that law. And so um, we have to understand that we are those people who are com- coming to enforce the power of the cross, the forgiveness of the cross, the freedom of the cross, and just, you know, tear up, break up, cast out, and tear down these strongholds and even break the curses of our generations by coming as the authorized representative of that bloodline to confess. It says in, in Leviticus twenty six thirty nine, if you will confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your fathers, which is with you, then I will restore the covenant. So you and I, because we're authorized and blood, their blood, there thousands of people have had to live for you to be here, and you are representing all their blood. You have their blood in you. And so now you have the authority because you come from that generation to do business on behalf of that generation. One thing we have to realize in our relationships, and I mean, all of life is about relationships. It is. But our relationships with one another, with God and with one another and with ourselves, that whatever we do affects many, many other people. Right. We might think no, no man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. Um, so we have an influence either for good or for evil, and sometimes it's a mixture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for uh, that affects us not only what 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 you and I are doing today will affect our children and yes, children's children absolutely. for for generations, right. and and so. And you may not realize that. You might not realize. You think, well, what do I matter? What, yeah. what why I make my decision here. And that doesn't have anything to do with them. It doesn't them. have anything to do with them. It's just like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And But yeah, it affects a lot of other people for Not good for, or for evil. Yeah, so, they, yeah. So just think, just be more serious about that. You know, Deliberate. What, 
be yeah. more deliberate and say, making, you know what? You're I, making choices that are kind of blazing the trail like you're talking about yeah. for that child, that grandchild to come after you. And if you blaze the trail for righteousness and in the right direction, it's going to help them out a lot. It's going to bring a blessing upon them. There's many verses in the Bible that says your descendants will be blessed and the the, the posterity of the righteous will, will be, be blessed. I think Psalm 112 has even got something in that. Um, right away in the beginning of the verse of the chapter. But, you know, another thing with um, um, uh, problems, when we get into these entanglements with relationships, and like you said, Jerry, everything is a relationship, our relationship with God, with each other, everything. And these relationships are like roads. And there's a road between you and your, your husband, your wife. There's a road between you and your child. And if that road gets strewn with broken promises and broken glass and, and boulders and and potholes and all kinds of things have come upon, you know, through the relationship, have taken out the road that it's deteriorated, it needs some repair. It, pretty soon after a while, it's going to be very difficult to go on that road. And actually in Hebrews, it talks about that road. It says, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated. So when you're starting to walk down that road and you trip over a, a broken promise or a, a harsh word or a, an accusation or, a, you know, just a, a betrayal, uh, it's hard to walk on that road. So after a while, people say, no, I think I'll stay home. I think I'll just stay in my own house. I don't need to go over there and visit them uh, because it's too dangerous. The trip is too hard and I'm going to get hurt. So that's why people in their marriages, for example, isolate, isolate. Pretty soon they're not in the same bedroom. Pretty soon they're in different beds. Pretty soon they're separated. Pretty soon someone's taken an apartment down the street. And you know, you're just you're just going further and further away uh, because of the fear, the isolation, the offense. Um, and then the other side of that is we can become super exhausted trying to fix that relationship. You know, I've got to fix it. It's up to me. And we take on all that responsibility of making people happy, making them feel better, making them love us. And this becomes an exhaustion. And this puts us in another irresolvable conflict of trying, uh, you know, we can call it depression, trying hard to get them to do what they should be doing so that they will love us so that we'll be safe. And so we're we're taking on the responsibility of, of their irresponsibility or of their um, uh, neglect or of their inability to love. And, and people who do not love themselves, they cannot, they cannot love you. They cannot love. We cannot love each other if we don't know we are loved. That's just the bottom line. If you don't have any money in your bank account, you can't write out a check. You can't give anybody a gift because you got no money. You got no love. If you don't have it, you can't give it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of way it goes. So, yeah. So here we are at this place of influence great great influence and i i just want to pray for you here today that the the revelation of god's love will just be overwhelming to you father in the name of jesus i thank you it takes a revelation lord your word says it Mm -hmm. you proved it by going to the cross for us bearing our sins giving us the truth that sets us free and what I just pray that, Lord, for those that are listening today, there would be a, a deep revelation of your love. And some that might be very aware of this, some may not be aware of this at all because of just being, Never hurt, being loved, yeah. being hurt by other yes, people, oh not being loved. But, Lord, Hallelujah. I just pray that the love of God, the love of the Father, the true, perfect Father, mm-hmm. would fill our hearts and lives. And that, that love that you have for us may be uh, multiplied through us to those around us. 
even those that uh, reject our love Mm -hmm. and those that we want we'd like to have everybody receive that love but not everybody will but lord i thank you that you enable us to forgive yes and that Mm -hmm. that that you're working Mm -hmm. there whenever we're obeying you you're working you're working powerfully Yes, Father. And and you said that greater love has no man than this, than a man that lays down his life for his friends. But then, Lord, you laid down your life for us when we were your enemies. And you said, Lord, he said, a new commandment I give you, John 13, 34, and 35, that that you love one another as I have loved you. And he says, says, "Um, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have one Love for one another. And so, Father, yes, I agree. And for any of you who are struggling with hurt, offense, uh, bitterness, things that were said and done to you, where people have been afraid to love you, you've been afraid to love them, and afraid to share and, and, and let them know who you are, or you've been hurt when you did share. We bring these crimes and injustices committed against the law of love uh, in your behalf to the Holy court of heaven the, the, and come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy to present these uh, criminal acts committed against us, against them and against you by the enemy who has used that person and used you to create an obstacle, a barrier, a mockery to the commandment that we're to love one another. So we forgive and put in your heart, show them, Lord, who they need to forgive, release them from your judgment and turn that judgment over to God and let God judge the enemy. And then you pray a blessing on those who reject you or curse you, and you can pray, pray the blessing, Lord, give them a deep and holy revelation of your love for them, that they will be set free to love me or to love themselves. And so, Father, we just thank you for the release of the power of your love and your forgiveness to clear the road, to open the, the pathway to righteousness, to heal the brokenhearted, to heal the broken relationships. And by by the power of the testimony of Jesus Christ, who knows the truth, may these enemies of love, the spirit of fear, judging, accusation, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, uh, evil speaking, all of these lying spirits be removed from this person, from their mind, their heart, their relationships. And may they truly know right now the power of your forgiveness, Lord God, the power of your love, that they'll forgive themselves and not even judge themselves. Let you be the judge of them, be the judge of the circumstances, and you are the judge. So re- restore uh, our love for one another and throw the devil's uh, case out of court, his accusations against us, Father. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Marjorie, you have a wonderful book on relationships. Tell us a little oh, bit about that. Oh, I forgot that. about that. Thank you for me. Yeah, Doing Relationships God's Way. Yes, I, I don't always think of all the things. But yes, it's a wonderful book on relationships and how to do relationships God's way. So we'll be featuring that this week. Um, You can go to liferecovery.com and uh, check it out in the store. We've got lots of other things. We also invite you to um, put a comment in the Rescue Radio um, uh, site uh, so that others will will receive. We can be built up on those rankings or whatever uh, through recommendations and comments. And we appreciate that, that your endorsement. Also share the links, the information. We're out there on just about every place you can connect. And so give people the word and encourage them. And blessed, wonderful, not just happy Valentine's Day, but awesome assurance of God's love day 
Valentine's Day. Let it be every day. In Jesus' name, amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.